welcome, 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 everybody, to another weekly roundup with Reiki. This is episode number 42. Okay, so um, start, I'm going to start off quickly with project updates because there's not too much that has changed for this week for a good reason, because we've been talking a lot about how crazy hardworking Alex and Antonio are, and it's incredible how much work these guys are putting into everything that they've done. So if you want to take a look at everything that we talked about from last week, like there's a lot of incredible updates that are underway. The biggest update that I have this week is finally, 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 Antonio is taking a little bit of a break. He's going to visit his family this week. He's actually in Monaco, where he's from. He's visiting his family there, so I'm grateful that he's taking this time um, to spend time with his loved ones, because I think it's been close to a year that has been home. So um, got to give it to the guy. He deserves it. But then I was like, okay, he's going to take a break. And then this guy tells me like, oh, I'm not just going there to visit my family. I'm actually going back there to pitch TCFX to uh, the influential people there. So a quick, uh, a quick uh, fact, uh, fact check or like a quick world fact Monaco is actually the richest country in the world given by per capita income. That's something I knew that there's a bunch of rich people in Monaco, but I did not know that it is actually the richest country in the world per capita income in Monaco is 230 uh, per capita like net worth. It's like $230,000. So like, that's like a crazy place to be. It's such a small place. There's so many influential people. It's not just the money that people have there. It's the influence that people have. Like they have multiple uh, businesses. It's it's like the best place to be if you want to build a network with influential people. So Antonio is going to be leveraging that to pitch TCFX. You know, the these guys are already sitting in rooms with the largest bank in Switzerland where they were invited, uh, UBS invited them. And then the uh, LIAX, their, uh, our biggest, our law firm invited them to a private garden party. Like these guys are sitting in the right rooms, guys. Like just want to iterate and just want to remind you guys on how freaking incredible it is that these guys know the hard work that is required to get to where we need to be. If you are not a visionary and if you're not a person that understands hard work, this project's not for you. And I keep repeating myself that don't feel bad if people don't understand the vision. It's because people are forced to, I guess people have been conditioned to seek cheap dopamine and cheap dopamine looks like checking the floor price, checking um, the volume of a collection or checking um, how much you can flip your NFT for. That's that's cheap dopamine, in my personal opinion. It's important. I know it's important. But long-term, does it matter? No. Because guess what? Everybody that has read the light paper, everybody that has been around, gathered around every week to the weekly roundups, listen to the AMAs, listen to the family town halls that we do for the Leon family with the founders, they know that we are different. And we just don't say we're different. We move different. The conversations we're having, the people we're hanging out with, they are different. So I appreciate each and every Leon family member that is putting the word out there 
is is a brand. Every Leon member is an extension of the Leon brand. So TCFX is an extension of the Meta Leon brand, and we are extension of the Leon brand. So I appreciate everybody that has put in the work for their own investments. Like they know what they're holding. And just a quick, like, I know I don't talk about prices or anything yet, but a quick uh, word looking at the floor right now. We're sitting at we're sitting at point one ETH, and I know somebody's been scooping, but I'll let you do the research. And sitting at point one ETH, and we have zero point four percent of the Leons listed, and twelve percent unique holders. And there's a reason why we're sitting at such incredible numbers for such a young collection. You guys have no idea how incredibly proud you should be with yourself right now because all when you focus on the right things and you don't care about what the market is doing board ape has the floor has dropped on board ape like 40 70 percent and like bunch of other blue chip nft projects and it's starting to show that you really need a sustainable business model behind your project to be sustainable long term as an nft collection you just cannot rely on artwork. Like we're incredibly proud. Like every room that I go into, people love, love, love everything we've done. Like they look at the artwork and they're instantly buying uh, Leons, instantly minting them. But I never marketed like that because we are grateful for the collection. I'm not going to say we're not. Like it, our collection is an extension of our mindset, which is, perfection in everything we do. If it's not perfect, we're not going to do it. So looking at how detailed the collection is and how beautiful the collection is, even like random Leons look so beautiful. I never want to let go of a single random Leon that I hold because they all look incredible. Um, and everybody knows I'm a fan of the bamboo hats and I've been trying to collect them as much as possible. And it's just, it's a different beast, the whole collection. But then when people start learning about the value that historics hold and the value of holding uh, these randoms as well that you can upgrade later on in the gamification, that's the part that people don't even get to. They just buy it for the collection. So that's what I'm telling you guys. We're, we're moving different. We don't even care, to be honest, if the floor price is something or the volume is a certain thing because the promise was something else. We didn't promise you returns on the NFT. No one ever did. We're here for five to 10 years. If you can see that, if you see why we said from the start, why the founders have said from the start that this is a five to 10 year project. And it doesn't mean after 10 years, we're not going to be around. When we're going to be there for 10 years, you bet better be assured that we have multiple sources of income running. Like there's just projecting from how far we've come in just under a year and talking about under a year, we're coming pretty close to celebrating our one year anniversary. I can't tell you how grateful I am to be in the spot to say this because not only did we mint when the bear market was in full flow, projects were closing down. We have limited treasury. Everybody knows it's been transparent. We should have closed down if we were like other collections, like a money grab or something. But guess what? Not only the founders put in their own money and they never talked about it. It's always me mentioning this. They they're so humble that they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even mention it. And 
on top of that, they find these incredible deals with their negotiation skills. Like it's insane. And the strength that we have in the Leon family, it's shown we've gotten stronger by the day, no matter what happens in the market or the general like consensus in the NFT space, we're always here. We're building and we have things to show for it. 42 episodes of weekly roundup wouldn't happen if I did not have new updates every week. So I just wanted to take some time this week to give some perspective as to where we were, where we are and where we're heading. And where we're heading is just, it's just, we're just getting started. We just got TCFX registered. Once we have the STO license that we're looking for, oh, the SRO license, <clears throat> my apologies. Once we have that, and even not having that license yet, it's not stopping us. You know, there's, there's uh, conversations happening to finalize the deal with KOB to get them onboarded as our first client without even needing the license. That's the kind of mindset I'm after. If life stops you from doing something, these founders find hundred different ways to do it. And there's no cutting corners. And that's what I love about it. There's always creative thinking. It's like, how can we make it happen? Even if the doors are closed. So doors are closed. I love when, um, I think it was a call that me, <clears throat> uh, me, Reed, and uh, I think Drew was there as well, and the founders, like, we're, we're having a, a discussion with the core team, like, way back. And Antonio mentioned something, and uh, I think it was uh, Bridge 3, yeah. We're trying to uh, secure the deal with Bridge 3, which is the one of the largest uh, NFT marketing firms, and they don't onboard any collection until, like, they know it's like a blue chip and whatever, future blue chip. So they said, like, we don't have connections with them. But guess what? If the doors are closed, we're going to find the windows. If the windows are closed, we're going to jump through the chimney. And I still remember that when Antonio said that. And I love that mindset because usually, like, people come to the main main gate. And if the gate's locked, they'll just, like, turn around. Like, no, you got to find ways to get in there. If you deserve to be in there, you're going to find a way to get there. So we lack people in today's times that have that kind of mindset, the never give up attitude, because it's so easy to give up these days, because guess what? There's other ways you can get your dopamine, right? Like there's always TikTok, there's Instagram, um, there's a bunch of other things. So I am so proud to be associated with the Leon family since day one and always being there with the founders, realizing you guys, it's incredible. So, um, wishing again, wishing Antonio some good time with his family. Hopefully he brings us some pictures. Um, I know it's a beautiful place and I want to visit sometimes. So, um, yeah, um, next up, uh, I want to talk about the market. There is a lot happening. And like I always say, it's the non-sexy stuff that I'm going to be talking about in the market, but you don't come here for the for the sensational news. You don't come here to hear about Bitcoin is 31,000 today or something like that. You come here for the real news. You come here for the real research, the stuff that affects you directly, but the, re the mainstream media and even sometimes crypto Twitter or even the YouTube influencers wouldn't talk about this because they, they don't have their incentives aligned right. Um, so we're going to start off with the CPI news, the CPI 
update the CPI came out last actually last night and it dropped from 4% to 3% from last month which is a 1% drop which is a huge drop and i know the the fed jerome powell the the chairman has said that he wants to see uh cpi drop to 2% uh to 2% and that is the inflation count inflation has been rampant for a few few months actually for a whole year and it's really good to see inflation come right back down because eventually it affects the lives of the middle class and it affects the lives of literally everybody in the world because only the 1% that hold assets are protected from the de-dollarization like reducing of the dollar value over time um what a dollar could buy you in 1970 is not what the dollar buys you today in 2023 and we all know this and everything's getting expensive so this should help relieve a little bit of that pain uh but also another good thing that happened is with the reduction in the drop with the drop in the CPI like this it dropped from almost 5% it was like 4.9 and it dropped to 4% the month before so it's been a back to back 1% drop so the good news there is i'm hoping that the interest rates don't go up as much or we don't increase any more interest rates because not only is it causing the banks to collapse because debt is getting expensive and us in general is a debt based country and everybody that understands the system knows that it only the us monetary system only works if the debt is cheap so the only reason we are where we are and all these banks are collapsing because they're used to 0% interest rates to borrow debt even 1% so with debt getting that expensive close to what 5% it's causing problems all over and it's spilling over in our industry as well so once CPI comes to the standard 2% that they're trying to get to. I hope it gets there soon. It's been dropping like a rock. So, fingers crossed. We could see some monetary easing, which is a fancier word to say Jerome Powell's going to let the money printer go burr. And whenever that happens, you know what happens to them to risk on assets like um let's say tech stocks or crypto. So crypto still sadly is considered like a risk on asset. So people are only allocating to it because they like to take risks. Um so talking about risks, um we're going to have some Bitcoin ET spot ETF updates here soon and I'm going to recap this room and remind everybody why a Bitcoin Bitcoin spot ETF is essential. So ETF if you don't know is called an exchange traded um fund and it's basically a combination it's like a fancy way to bundle a bunch of investments together and sell it to boomers and it's not my words it's a etf uh he's like he's one of the um uh, advisors to the white house and he's also like an expert in etfs this is like a statement from him cuz etfs came out i think about 20 years ago and the whole purpose of etfs is to help people get access to investments in a safe and secure manner which are covered by the SEC. So as you know, people trust the SEC still. Those that are not in this industry do not know how shady the SEC is. 
it's supposed to protect the investors, but it protects the big banks and the big, uh, big companies. So that's, it's just obvious at this point, they're not even hiding that they're attacking the crypto industry. Um, so good news is that Grayscale, uh, which has um, applied for a Bitcoin spot ETF, it has submitted a letter to the judge in the case where they filed a case against the SEC for discriminatory um, discriminatory um, mindset against a spot ETF. And SEC has been claiming that we're not going to approve a spot ETF. And the difference between a spot and other kind of ETFs is a spot ETF requires you to buy the actual underlying asset. So why is a Bitcoin spot ETF good for the ecosystem? Because in order to sell a spot ETF, the company that's selling the spot ETF needs to buy Bitcoin to cover that. Um, so they, they stated that the SEC has so far approved a futures ETF for Bitcoin, a 2x leverage ETF, and a short ETF. So not going into too much details and on the, all these different types of ETFs, you can look them up in your free time or reach out to me if you have any questions. Um, these are all much riskier than a spot ETF. All these kinds of ETFs are all about manipulation because none of them require you to actually buy the underlying Bitcoin to sell the ETF. So SEC's hypocrisy can be seen through all this. So now they're now they're basically arguing that, hey, judge, um, in order to support our argument that we're suing the SEC because there have been actually not uh, letting us sell the spot ETF and selling all these um, leverage ones and uh, these short ones, which are not good for the market or the consumer. Um, they said there's less manipulation concerns in a spot ETF. So maybe they have more uh, proof to show that now. I guess one of the things that's happening is um, if you remember BlackRock, which is the largest asset manager in the world, they filed for a Bitcoin spot ETF. And now everybody's filing behind them because guess what? When the biggest player in the world in the finance industry files for a Bitcoin ETF, you file for a Bitcoin ETF. Um, so there's an agreement that NASDAQ, I think uh, if you remember, SEC had rejected the first draft of BlackRock saying that there's not enough details around the surveillance sharing agreement. And basically in easier terms, what that agreement is, they're looking for ways that they can prove that there's no manipulation in the market. Like who are you gonna partner with because BlackRock doesn't have like a crypto arm yet. Like they don't have a crypto product. So they don't have much experience in this industry. So they said they're going to partner with a third party. And that third party happens to be Coinbase, which is in, in itself a joke because SEC suing Coinbase, calling them an illegal security selling exchange. Like they're, they're an illegal exchange. And here's the largest asset manager in the world partnering with Coinbase. So if you're following along with me in the thought process, you see what kind of a joke SEC is. It's just a big circus. So um, CBOE, which is another traditional TradFi giant like BlackRock, they have signed, finally signed yesterday their surveillance sharing agreement with Coinbase. So guess what? Everybody 
is signing Coinbase as their surveillance sharing agreement partner. And this just brings more legitimacy to the industry because literally this traditional, because these people run Congress, like, you know, how lobbying works, right? You know, that Gary Gensler answers to these big banks and these big funds because he, he worked for a bank for most of his career. Um, so when you see these big giants coming out and literally telling the SEC that, listen, we don't, we don't care that you're suing Coinbase. We're going to partner with them anyway. That tells you that something's up. Either I'm going to speculate here for a second. I think this lawsuit is going to get thrown out. If it's not going to get thrown out, there's going to be some sort of a deal that's going to get signed with the SEC where this, this suit is going to get settled. Because I'm thinking that BlackRock and these, these companies are publicly traded companies and they have to release their papers to uh, their, their investments, their decisions to their stockholders every quarter. So when someone asks them, why are you partnering with a company that is getting sued by the SEC? They need a good answer. So I think this lawsuit that the SEC filed against Coinbase is probably going to go away pretty soon because if the ETF gets approved, then we have a problem because how can you have an approved ETF where you're partnering with a company that's getting sued by the SEC and the SEC is the one that's approving the ETF. It's like a catch 22 problem. So I nerded out there for a bit. Hope you were there with me for this whole thing. Cause it's important for you to understand the nuances of the market. Nobody's going to tell you about this stuff because they're more incentivized to show you the highlights or the big ticket items, I'm going to dive deep into this stuff because I want you all to think for yourself. I want you all to see how this game is played, how these, how these rich people manipulate everybody. So glad to see CBOE come in and, as well and sign Coinbase as their sharing partner. And everybody that got rejected has refiled with more details um, around this sharing agreement. So now the ball is back in SEC's court. We're going to see if they reject it again and what reason they give. If not, then if they approve it, then uh, expect some fireworks in the market because I was, like I reminded you last week, I looked at the price of gold and when the first spot ETF in the U.S., and I say U.S. because we have a spot ETF in Canada and Australia already. It's been two years. But those are a lot smaller markets than the U.S. So once a spot ETF for Bitcoin gets approved, in the US, know that there's going to be, be a significant effect on the price for sure. Um, and that's again, not financial advice, it's just things that I've researched. I could be wrong, but uh, that's what the trend shows from the past. We have some lawsuit updates uh, coming up for you guys Gemini, the Winklevoss twins, the twins that founded Facebook. Um, they founded a crypto exchange called Gemini. If you have used it, you remember, um, they are suing DCG digital currency group. And the reason I'm sharing this news is because DCG had around $300 billion or I, I think it was 30 billion, 30 to $40 billion worth of assets under management. And it's one of the largest crypto companies out there. And they're suing that company and its CEO, Barry Silbert for committing fraud. So a little bit of detail of what happened here. So remember the time when uh, 
um, all of these companies were falling apart like uh, Celsius and Voyager and everybody that was uh, offering this this uh, crypto lending to people like you give us your crypto on the platform we're gonna stake it for you and you get a high return like 17 or 20 percent everybody remember that that's pretty much uh well gemini was offering a similar product it was called earn so everybody that was using gemini that opted into the earn product they were partnering with dcg for um for that earn product right so dcg has been dragging their feet on returning the money they lost a bunch of money and bunch of people that were using gemini earn they lost their money so pretty much gemini's credibility was shot because of dcg because they were not transparent at all and the, and the ceo barry silbert wouldn't even commit to a timeline they were just fed up with his attitude so they finally filed a lawsuit so that the customers can get their funds back or not stuck in limbo i can respect that i respect um these twins for having the integrity in the space they've, they've been a good voice of reason i have appreciated their mindset and uh, what they bring to the table so i hope the lawsuit goes in their favor and they can get some money back for their uh, customers Talking about getting your money back, if you are somebody that's listening that had money in FTX US or any other FTX, I think FTX Japan as well, there's a bunch of other FTXs. Um, if you had money stuck in FTX, uh, the portal for creditors has finally opened. The website is claims.ftx.com. Again, it's claims.ftx.com. The portal currently is unresponsive because you can see it's probably getting bombarded by people. So it might come up soon. Uh, keep checking that portal if you had money there because um, the, the court ordered that portal to be open until the 26th of September. So if you had money in FTX, make sure you go out there. And um, again, be aware of phishing website. If somebody starts asking for your key phrase and stuff, just run away. Be safe out there. Make sure you're you're double checking the portal. Um, and if you if you can get there, then uh, put in your information, get get your money back. And I don't know how much you're gonna get back, but it's better than nothing. So I hope uh, I hope this helped. Um, next up we have central bank digital currency news because you know i've been tracking all over the world the uh, the progress that countries are making on their central bank digital currencies because um again i continue and remain just um, i'm very skeptical of central bank digital currencies but again until we see an actual full-scale rollout of a cbdc project I can't really say most countries are at the trial or pilot stage right now. That's why I keep covering it. Um, again, China's still taking the lead in terms of the most widespread adoption so far for uh, their CBDC. And uh, there's other countries trying to catch up. So we'll see. Starting with China, uh, Bank of China, which is the largest bank in China, is uh, trial uh, is starting to do trials for offline payments using the digital yuan. So you are gonna be able to make payments. That's what they're testing right now. You're gonna be able to make payments using the digital yuan, which is their CBDC, uh, using your your using your phone, a specific, uh, specifically SIM card. So 
being able to make payments using your phone without using the internet is what they're trying to test right now. Uh, so if people are living in areas which doesn't have internet, which is not too many places right now, but again, it's, it's, I guess it's good. Um, if people are stuck somewhere, they're, they're going somewhere traveling and they don't have internet connection, uh, they're still able to make payments. So, um, next up, we're going to go to Russia for this one. So this is huge coming from Russia, the Russian central bank, uh, digital currency project. It, it's called the digital ruble and they are coming to a step. They, they got a step closer to a reality to bring this project out. Um, on July the 11th, uh, the lower chamber of their federal assembly of Russian Federation, which is pretty much like the house, like in the U S, um, they, they passed the digital ruble bill in the third reading. Uh, now this piece of legislation is going to move to the upper chambers. And then finally it's going to get in the hands of Putin uh, who's the president. And once it's signed, it's going to come into law and then they're going to start officially working on this project. So it's super early, but it's interesting to see that it has passed on the house level at the lowest level in their Congress. Um, if that's what it's called. Um, so I'm going to keep an eye on Russia as well, because I think apart from China, I, I guess China didn't even have any regulations for it. They just went with it. Uh, Russia is the only country that has like a CBDC bill that's being passed. So I know there's a bunch of states and a bunch of senators that are trying to uh, pass some regulations in the U.S. Uh, proposing that we don't have a uh, federal level CBDC because it's not good for the privacy of the citizens of the U.S. and it's a psychologically and philosophically it's a different country. We're not we're not China. We're not Russia. So um, I hope people realize uh, that we need a different mindset and a different kind of CBDC if we're going to make it work in the U.S. Uh, next up, we're going to go to Brazil. Uh, as you know, Brazil's been doing a lot of work on the CBDC side, and they have been very, very active in the crypto side of things as well, and the blockchain side. Um, some information got leaked by a, a blockchain developer who reverse engineered the code for the CBDC pilot program that's been running in Brazil, and he confirmed, which is my biggest fear, is that that CBDC code has two pieces of code in there. It has the code to freeze somebody's funds. There is also, also a feature to reduce, to reduce someone's uh, wallet as well. So reduce the amount of money in someone's wallet, like drain that wallet at will. So this is the biggest concern I have with CBDC. So how could this be implemented in the future? Let's say I am the ruler. I'm, an, I'm, not, I'm not even going to say politician because if you have this type of CBDC, you probably have a ruler and a fake democracy, in my opinion, if it's a democracy or claims to be a democracy. Let's say your president, prime minister, whoever, they don't like certain things. Let's say if you post something on social media against that president or prime minister, and it's facts. Let's say it was facts. It was researched and it's facts. And they get to notice through AI and tracking social media activity that you did that. 
they could charge you a penalty of, let's say, $50 for going against the government. And if you get three strikes, your account is going to get frozen. You're not going to get your money. And that can be programmed on a smart contract. And that's what CBDCs are. So that's the dark side that I'm worried about. And this developer confirming that these two features are already in the CBDC. And I'm just, I'm being very honest with you. This is how the government's going to use it. If you think they're going to put in a feature in the worst, and they're going to use it in the worst case scenario, you're, you're badly mistaken. Like they're going to use it the day they get, the whole point of CBDC is to get more control over the people. And that's why crypto is so important because, and that's, and that's also why I want to talk about the banking sector. Uh, Bank of America got fined, I think, $150 million or something for charging fake fees. Like they're called junk fees, like opening a bank account or overdraft fees. All these fees that banks make money, banks make money by getting money from people that already don't have money. If you think about the overdraft fees, and banks are no different than a CBDC. The government's doing the same thing with you. And these traditional banks are fighting crypto for this very reason, because they know that this business model of draining money from people that don't have money to begin with, charging them these ridiculous fees, and also opening credit cards, like customers' credit cards getting opened without their consent to meet monthly targets from the sales team. That's the kind of shady stuff big banks do. And they get away by paying like a $100 million fine on a $4 billion uh, scam or something. And that, that's, that's the kind of world we live in. It's very biased. These banks don't want to lose control. And these politicians are helping them keep their control by pe having people like Gary Gensler just reducing the industry to nothing in one of the largest economies in the world, actually the largest economy in the world being U.S. So it is the stage where they're starting to fight us. They ignored us for the first five years. Then they laughed at us. Now they're fighting us. And once we win, which we will, they're going to join us. First, BlackRock and all these people, and eventually all these banks are going to start offering crypto. I know it's going to happen because guess what? People have the option. If you don't trust your bank, you can move your money wherever you want. You can put it in a money market. You don't have to walk into a bank branch anymore. You can literally use your phone app. And that's why half of these banks collapsed because why would I keep my money in a savings account where I'm getting paid 0.2% interest? Why not put it in a money market where it's safe? I mean, relatively safe because it's still bonds, but I get 4.5%. Why would I not put it there? So banks were running out of money because they use your money to get rich and pay you peanuts. We all know banks' business model, fractionalized banking, and that's not working no more. And with the Fed now system that is coming alive by the end of July, instant payments are coming to each and every bank. Well, most of the banks, most large banks, banks cannot function on a fractionalized banking system anymore. They're being held to higher standards with crypto. If I can pay my friend instantly without paying a large amount of fees, why would I not use that system and use a system where they're going to use my money and not pay me anything? I'm better off putting my money in DeFi. So all this is coming together and it all falls into CBDCs. It's just another way to control 
the public and that's it's just showing so i'm concerned about brazil and i'm i'm hoping that other countries don't follow this and i know china for sure has these features of freezing people's funds as well um so be be aware keep researching i mean if even if you don't want to research i'm here to update you i'm here to enlighten you on all this stuff because i keep an eye on this stuff i'm watching these people so um next up we have namibia that has joined other african nations i know nigeria has been working on it um to embrace cryptocurrencies which is i guess uh, a good thing and uh they're embracing crypto and digital assets they approved a bill at their national assembly and the bill was passed in the lower house and now it's going to be moved to the upper house for on july 22nd and the, they aim to regulate digital assets to make to make it more trustworthy um so that's kind of good news coming out of namibia um, the more countries that have comprehensive crypto regulations and and the thing is if you're somebody with even two brain cells you can literally copy paste some other countries like you can take the european union i'm not saying that it's perfect you can take the mica law that they passed from the eu and literally copy paste it to your country and that that's it you don't have to start from scratch you have so many different boilerplate templates that you can use by different governments for crypto regulation and it's funny how Gary Gensler goes around telling people that we have all the laws we need and then here's like other countries literally every other country creating their own crypto regulations passing new laws putting in bills so um the good thing is the narrative is changing nobody's buying his bs anymore everybody knows that this industry needs regulations so it's it's good there's two bills that i know that are being worked on going to get voted on either this month or next month there's a stable coin bill which is very comprehensive it is a bipartisan bill between the democrats and republicans there's also a market structure bill which is going to be very important i've been following that bill as well and all the hearings for that bill I've been following those hearings um I'm going to tell you guys look it's it's important to know that good things are happening to kind of overshadow the dark things that are happening so having the stablecoin bill and this market structure bill in which a lot of power has been taken away from the SEC and been given to the CFTC which seems to be a little more pro crypto I say seems to be because here's Gary Gensler he was giving lectures on cryptocurrencies and blockchain and investing on all that in MIT and all of a sudden he's the most anti-crypto person that you can think about so you just cannot take people for their face value when it comes to regulations and the congress but it's at least good that this bill is very comprehensive and this market structure bill is actually pretty comprehensive i got to give it to um the people there uh at the two committees that are working on this that it it's pretty good like compared to where we were before with it, without regulation so i hope it passes but it's going to go into vote in july i think so keep your fingers crossed on those uh last piece of news from cbdc's is we have a report by the bank of international settlements this is the bank of the banks this is the biggest like organization of banks in the world everybody listens to them because they are the most powerful people 
um, they said that there's twenty. They have claimed, according to a survey, that there's going to be twenty four CBDCs that are going to go live by twenty thirty. So that means there's going to be twenty four countries at least that are going to have a CBDC running in their country by twenty thirty. It did not say pilot program or test. It says live. So that means the entire country is going to be using the CBDC by 2030. So 24 countries is a huge number. I know China is going to be one of them. I know Brazil is going to be one of them. I know Nigeria is going to be one of them. I know India potentially is going to be one of them. I can name all these countries because guess what? You can probably name them too because we have been doing our homework. I have been sharing these news updates. This is what I'm telling you. When you listen to the weekly roundup with me, you realize you're you're starting to think like the 1%. You're starting to think like these influential people. Most of the people don't even know that CBDCs are coming. They don't know how their lives are going to change. It's the same thing when people got smartphones for the first time. Most were so confused. They were like, why the hell would I need a screen in my hand? I have it in my home. It's called a TV. I have a computer. Why do I need a laptop? Why do I need an iPad? Why do I need a smartphone? It's the same thing. They're going to be forced to use a CBDC, and they're not going to have any other option because it's going to be convenient. You're going to be able to pay for anything and everything using your CBDC. I'm going to tell you this. Some governments are going to give people discounts on stuff and give them free money, much like we got COVID money. They're going to give them free money to force them and kind of like entice them to install their government app and get us get their CBDC, convert their money into CBDC. It's going to happen. You can quote me on this. 2030, give, me like, give it like four years, even like less than four years. You're going to see government start to give incentives like, hey, you get $500 if you convert your money into a CBDC. You're going to see it. And people are going to do it like sheep because guess what they don't know their rights they don't know what it means to give the control of your finances to the government that's the last thing they can control they already have your personal information they know where you live they know what you do every day now they get to see how you spend your money so complete control that's the goal eventually so good news is we are smart enough to know we have crypto we have this alternative system you can opt into. And if more people opt into this system than the CBDC, governments would have to listen. So moving on, some good news coming out from the adoption side of thing and infrastructure side of things. Coinbase has added a messaging function to crypto wallets. So what does that mean? That means if you have an Ethereum wallet, you will be able to talk to another Ethereum address, like send DMs and send like personal messages and chat with them in a secured way. And it's going to be encrypted. So I guess that's good if two blockchain addresses want to talk to each other. I don't know why they want to do that, but um, I guess it's a feature out there. We'll see use cases come out of it um, whenever they come out. Um, next up, we have Animoca Brands, and if you don't know who Animoca Brands are, they are a VC firm out of Hong Kong, and if you've been listening to the roundups for the last few weeks, Hong Kong is going crazy in crypto adoption. They're forcing their banks to onboard crypto clients. 
they're uh they have a white paper out there they're proposing new laws they're pro crypto it's they're inviting all these entrepreneurs from the us that are not being able to start their businesses to come start their businesses in hong kong it's going nuts so animoca brands is one of the largest vcs in this space they're heavily invested in in terms of money and interest in the metaverse and gaming um so they have said that no matter what happens in the market they're still bullish on blockchain games and they're evading a license for their metaverse firm um yatsu who uh, yatsu who is the co-founder of animoca brands he has he says that he expects a number of um is blockchain gaming investments to come into the market by the end of 2023. So the fund that they were trying to get the license for and get approved for is a $800 million. I'm going to say that again, $800 million investment fund in blockchain gaming. So if this is not bullish, I don't know what's bullish. Um, like I told you, I'm never going to sugarcoat it for you. We're all grown-up adults in this room. I expect you guys to be able to take negative news. Because if you don't take in negative news, you're not able to prepare for what's coming. And also, I share the positive news, the good stuff like this. Like, there's always building going on. There's always investments going on. So the fight is real. We're fighting traditional finance. It's not going to be easy. These guys have the money. These guys have the power. But guess what? the horse cart people could only fight the car people for so long they tried to pass stupid regulations it moved innovation of the car industry from the uk to the us and the rest is history same is going to happen to countries that are anti-crypto today the innovation is going to go offshore the market's going to develop somewhere else it's never going to die and larry fink the ceo of blackrock who, by the way, is most, I guess, the most powerful person in the world, one of the most powerful people in the world. He said that Bitcoin, and he said Bitcoin, but I know he meant crypto. He just can't say it yet. Bitcoin is a global asset. And that is a huge thing. People look over that statement, but what it means is he's acknowledging the fact that no matter what happens in the US, pro or anti, crypto stance, Bitcoin's going to survive because it's a global industry. It never sleeps. It's 24-7, 365. You can trade Bitcoin and crypto wherever, whenever you want. And that kind of freedom is something to be grateful for. And I'm willing to put in the work because I want my Leon family to be the most educated family in this crypto space because that's the only way to win the game, being aware and knowing the trends before they come to fruition. Thank you again, everybody. I love you all. I wish you all a wonderful rest of your day and week. And I'm going to catch you guys next week.